The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. If you haven't fast-forwarded through this part yet, here's Brandon. Thank you for joining again for another excellent week on The Brandon Peters Show. Today we'll feature a discussion on the 1979 Academy Award-winning film, Breaking Away. But first, joining me today, the CEO of PopCon, the pop culture convention, which has been referenced on this show plenty, Carl Doninger. How are we doing? Hello, not bad, not bad. Thank you for coming. This is the first time like you've been on one of my shows. I think I, 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 it is. You done? Is. You did video and, and for me, but for, yeah. as, for as many for as many years as we've known each other, uh, that, <laughs> that is that is kind of interesting. Yeah, I've been on a lot of podcasts, but uh, yeah, this is a new one. Yeah, we've done. I mean, we've talked podcasts. We do podcast indie meetups and stuff, and I've never. I'm oh yeah, ever. I mean we've. We've had full-on podcast episode conversations. We just weren't recording it. No, no, yeah, we, yeah, we literally have stuff that should have been recorded, should have been put out in the ether, but alas, you have to. <laughs> I guess that's the the enjoyment of us live and in person. Something you get. But let's just start off the top. PopCon twenty twenty one is a go this year. It is it coming absolutely out this is. summer. Yeah, July July ninth, tenth, and eleventh, mm-hmm. and the film festival on the eighth, even. Yeah, that's exciting. That's, and that was supposed to be last year was supposed to be the debut of the film festival, but now it's this year, which you still had it, but now with the in-person. Correct. This is technically our second film festival because last year actually went very well, mm-hmm. uh, but we just had to do it all virtually. We had to do it online and the filmmakers loved it. They loved that we still had it. I, I've had a couple of filmmakers on here and they've said the the virtual thing, like why they want to be in a crowd with people, the virtual thing has allowed them access and the ability to be a presence at other film festivals because living on the West Coast, going to the East Coast, isn't the easiest for an independent filmmaker to attend a festival their film's in. Well, there were benefits of that. We, oh, I shouldn't have counted. We've got 20 some odd countries represented Wow! in our film festival this year. It's it's insane. We've got a Russian filmmaker flying in, and we will even have a Japanese filmmaker flying in if they allow him to fly in. Wow, that's pretty intense. <laughs> it, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's what what George and Audrey have done with the mm-hmm. film festival, uh, pretty much from scratch last year. This year, we've more than doubled the number of films that were submitted from last year to this year. The variety of countries, obviously, I think it tripled. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't do badly last year on the number of countries. I was pretty proud of like nine, but I think mm-hmm. we've we're well into the twenties this year. Yeah, and George and Audrey, they I mean they are pros. They they do hell. I mean it's almost uh, she's been on here. Uh, she's been a frequent presence on here, and like just it's almost like selfless work what they're doing because they're I mean they're doing everything for these other filmmakers, and it's. Yes. I'm just going to read the list real quick. So here we go. All right. Um, U.S., obviously. U.K., Canada, France, Japan, Germany, Italy, Korea, Russia, Argentina, Australia, Spain, Greece, Hungary, India, Ireland, Israel, New Zealand, South Africa, Sweden, and Brazil. Wow. (laughs) All over the planet. That's awesome. It really is. It is is so great. And and, and you're making yourself a spot on the map for that circuit of independent films and all sorts of... John, I know George and Audrey have like specialized in doing horror stuff in the past, but this is just this is everything under the blanket. It it did open up their ability to just ask for anything. Yes, yeah, indeed. <laughs> we did. There is there's definitely horror represented. I think because of their connections, that is our biggest category still is horror. But we've got sci-fi's and thrillers, and documentaries, anime. We've got seven Indiana short films and three Indiana feature films. So 10 of our films are from Indiana, which is awesome. Action, fantasy, gaming, sports, thrillers. I don't know what I missed, but there's just a very good wide variety of content. How how many of them will be showing uh, or plan to show there? 
That I can't answer. Okay. <laughs> I, because I'm, I'm not part of the selection committee and they are not done. So gotcha. the submission- I asked about ended. that month, a couple months ago to Audrey and she wasn't able to answer it either. I was just, this is my update. Still yeah, no answer. So submissions, submissions were completed <clears throat> two days ago. So now they're going to be going through and judging the films and picking and choosing who okay. gets selected and who doesn't. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And in addition to the film festival, which is still rather a new feature, are there any other new kind of features or aspects of the convention that are going to happen? No, you shouldn't be doing new in 2021. Right, true. <laughs> We've got all the pieces, parts, except one that I can think of. So we've still got, the, we're going to have the virtual reality and the esports and the board gaming mm-hmm. and laser tag and the podcasts, podcast table and podcast awards, podcast stage, all the pieces, parts, except we're not going to have escape rooms. We're just limited on size. So it, it wasn't really a COVID concern so much as we're just not able to spread out as much on the old side of the convention center as we are on the new side of the convention center. Gotcha. And with the, the COVID stuff, it is going to be handled differently. There's going to be you know yeah. protocols in place and stuff like that. Yep. You're going to have to answer all the prerequisite questions that you do in, in any gathering where uh, you have to confirm that you have aren't currently sick, haven't been sick, haven't been around somebody with COVID, mm-hmm. because those are just questions in Indiana you have to ask. And then as long as that's all in an affirmative, you'll go in, you'll get your wristband through our registration. And we'll have currently rules like one-way traffic, enforcing mask policy, things that we just, we need to encourage as a society still just to be safe because we're going to be doing all the things. It it doesn't really put anyone out to wear a mask or to follow the flow of a particular floor. It takes a little bit of the popcorn feel out of it that you can't just go from point A to point B without following a specific path. But you know, for little, little things like that, I think people are going to understand for, for this year, but we've still got a huge vendor hall and a lot of activity and we've got 28 or more guests. I don't know. I think we're over 30 guests now and it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun regardless. So as long as you're comfortable with being out and about, and we're still quite a ways away from it in July, get your shots and everybody's going to have a great time. Yeah. And speaking of guests, you've carried over a lot that were supposed to come last year, which was pretty. We tried to. Yeah. So one thing that we really, 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 really wanted an in-person event this year Mm -hmm. because Events like ours affect so many people's livelihoods, like the vendors. There, some people travel and do 30 or more cons a year, and that is their annual income by going to conventions and selling their stuff. Mm-hmm. But without events like ours in person, they're really not having that, and their income went to zero or sometimes worse when they have the lose product. But then it's also the celebrity's way of getting income because we're – we, we could go after the big blockbuster guests, but that's not really, that's not really the popcon style. That's not really what people are asking for. I mean, obviously somebody wouldn't, no one would say no to a Chris Hemsworth or something, <laughs> but he doesn't need a con. He doesn't need to go to a con. A lot of the, a lot of this talent that we bring in, they're just like the vendors, part of their annual income. They're not, they're not making money hand over fist doing movies and TV shows and voice acting. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's, I mean, it can't be a bad income for some of them, but that's not it, part of their income is meeting fans and being able to, to uh, make a living that way from doing, from what they have done. That's popular. So that's kind of what our, that's kind of what our lineup is consisting of. That's what we shoot after. And yeah, we did roll over a lot. We did roll over a lot because we promised people to meet them last year. Right. We didn't want to disappoint if we didn't have to, because there are a lot of people who were excited yeah. about our lineup from last year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And have it, and you got some different ones. I saw some of the, uh, okay, you have some office parks and recs people come in and yeah. definitely a lot of, a lot of voice talent, which I always think is one of the pop con oh, specialities yeah. is voice talent. Our, this is by far the best voice talent lineup we have ever had. Mm-hmm. It is insane. So yeah, with Star Wars characters, Winnie the Pooh, Attack on Titan, our anime lineup is over the top. We've got better anime talent than somebody that's all they do. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. So it's it, it's pretty it's pretty spectacular. And uh, kudos to Chris for a wonderful job working with the agents to get some really good talent in. 
Definitely very exciting. And I hear I hear John Barrowman might be inexpensive right now. I don't know. I, I, I have heard <laughs> that he might not be expensive right now. Um, he's actually he's actually been on our and, and I mean, aside from his current turmoils, right. uh, which he's admitted to. So kudos to him. And but, he was actually came out. He was reprimanded for that at the time of these those events, and it never there was there weren't complaints following. But all jokes aside. Can't cancel culture, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I have no opinion one way or the other uh, on that. It's all, it's all the parties involved, and I will support the legal system. How about that? Right. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. He's been on. He's been on several lists. John Barrowman <laughs> would have been a potential guest. Um, not, <laughs> not for this year, but yeah. In the past, he has been a potential guest. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I was just a joke right now with all that's going on. Which, hey, if people, if somebody was if done wrong then they deserve to be heard and stuff no matter how you feel about a certain person but 100%. um going going back to like the pop i mean you started a big pop culture convention it's pretty like you know a lot of my listeners might not know they hear about it but like you know not a lot of times they get to see the like or hear about the genesis of popcon so like how did it start what drove you to be like I'm a, I'm going to do one of these. So. <laughs> yeah, that that would be that would be a whole episode in and of itself. So I'll give I'll give the, the short. Yes, I was a, a volunteer for a itty bitty little convention called Gen Con, and <laughs> uh, thought that I had learned enough working with the management of that convention that I could start my own gaming convention. Then that stewed for years, years and years. Uh, a buddy of mine who was also one of the founders of PopCon, his kids went to school with someone that was part owner of comicspriceguide.com, which is the largest uh, pricing guide in the world for comic books that happens to exist here. It's hosted, the people are here in Indianapolis. So we met over lunch, ate some pizza. They wanted to start a comic convention. We wanted to start a gaming convention. We kind of smushed the two ideas together, and now we became neither of those things, and both <laughs> of the and both of those things at the same time. So, that's really the the quick story of how PopCon came about. Then, then we organized in 2012, and we were going to do our first event not until 2015. Hmm. But a little outside company came in here using a trademark that they weren't allowed to use. And they announced that they were doing an event. We said, oh, well, we better be in 2014 now or we're going to get lost. So uh, PopCon started in 2014 and uh, we've been raring to go ever since. This is our, this is our, this is our eighth event. You, you know, you mentioned Fort mm-hmm. Wayne earlier. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was on air or off air. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was <laughs> off air. Yeah. PopCon Fort Wayne, which, um, which has, I mean, this show now exists because of PopCon Fort Wayne. So that's awesome. There is there. That's when this show basically was in my head to start. So that's awesome. So if if you count a virtual event, this likes to be our ninth event, but it's our eighth live event, and it's our seventh inside the convention center here in Indianapolis, and uh, we've we've got it pretty well down pat. I definitely bit off more than I could chew the first year. I didn't realize what I didn't know, but uh, it still ran very smoothly. But by 2016, our third event, it was pretty much just put it, take it out of the box and put on a three-day event. And it's very nice that we know most of the ins and outs now. And we can pretty much go anywhere and put on a PopCon. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It, I mean, like I said, it's, it's a great time. Are there any like favorite couple moments in PopCon history for you that, that you're like, oh, like you were just so proud of your convention because of this one thing that happened there? Well, I was pretty proud by our second year. 2015, and I always say it's the year that shall not be named because a lot of a, a lot of growing pains happened that year, and that's mm-hmm. a polite way of saying it. But we we had a set of YouTubers there, and we're one of the only conventions that brings in internet talent, specifically like actually targets internet talent. And we had a, a duo, but really there were four of them. But the duo uh, that came in, and uh, we ended up our main stage which we had set up for just under 3000 seats i think that year which is huge mm-hmm. for a convention that's a lot that's a lot of people in one room and we ended up having standing room only over 4000 people um, me walking around with the fire marshal and with at least 1000 people waiting to get in 
Wow. Outside, there were kids separated from parents because the parents didn't <laughs> want to take up the room inside so that the kids could get in. Oh, jeez. All by design, and they were. No one was ever unsafe. But we we knew that that was happening. We had staff. We had volunteers everywhere, making sure everything was smooth. But it was. I had to walk around, but. I, I got to announce them. So when I was standing up on stage, looking out over this room in the Indiana Convention Center, and I was told, and this is probably still true, no one has ever had more people in that room than we did. Jeez. In one of the busiest convention centers in the country, and we were more than capacity in That's, that room. And we were doing it correctly. I mean, we right. were I we were very concerned. I kept we kept 10 foot aisles everywhere. There was 10 feet to the wall so that there was exits in every direction. Mm-hmm. Everyone was super, super nice. People stayed in their seats instead of running up to the stage. It was just a great feel for just your second year. And yeah. it was a lot of fun. And, and people definitely had a lot of fun at that panel. I don't know. It's just, it's really the combination. We we often get mired in the in the weeds of organizing an event like PopCon it's easy to forget the other side of it, the attendee, what the attendee is feeling. And mm-hmm. when we get told that they've had the best weekend of their life, it really, it really hits home and we get emotional. It's like, okay, that's why we're doing it. So it's kind of, there are, there are a lot of specific events or specific moments that were just awesome. 2020, 2017, Maybe it was 2018. People were running up to me in the hallway asking for my autograph. Um, <laughs> so it's it just a, it's a different culture. So I guess I I kind of become a celebrity for three days a year, and it's been a lot of fun um, getting on radio stations and television stations and meeting business owners from all over the all over the city, and mm-hmm. it's just a, a whole big fun experience that uh, I wouldn't wish on anyone uh, because of all the work, but I would be proud of them if they could pull it off kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's, it, I mean, it's so much fun. It's a big party. And then when you go back out to like life, it's like <laughs> after. Well, yeah, the day after, the day after I'm, I can't even barely open my eyes. Right. Because I just, I just go, 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 go. And I don't really sleep. No. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. If you run into you there, you're like, sometimes you're just like staring through humans. Just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm the fire putter router. So I, I don't get to sit down. I don't get really to have fun during my own event, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but my whole purpose is to make sure everybody else is having a a smooth, fun experience. Gotcha. And before we we wrap this up, PopCon as a CEO and to people who uh, might not be from around Indiana or in the region that like conventions and stuff, what does PopCon have to offer that no other geek or pop culture convention does? Like not to slam any of them, but what's PopCon's character? It's the intangible part of it. I think I was just, it, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. It's the, where it, it, it's a weekend where people can come meet with their friends from all over the country and they only see each other that weekend of PopCon. There are kids that started going when they were seven and now they're 11 or they were three and now they're 11 and it's their con that they go to every year. It's really an intangible. There isn't, I don't think that there's anything that we do individually that is unique from some other event in the country. Mm. It's kind of just the whole package that we put it together. We're much more activity friendly. So you, it's not just go into the vendor hall, get a couple celebrity autographs, a photo op, buy some things at a vin, uh, vendor booths, and then just walk out. You're, right. You can't be done with PopCon in two hours. We have a full-blown film festival now. So, that, I mean, that's, four, that's a four-day event. We have the podcast awards, which, as you know, no one really does that or does it no. well. There are some that are picking up as we're following as podcast people, but it's not there yet. And uh, so we were one of the first first groups to really recognize podcasters. Yep. Um, but throwing in the laser tag and the esports and it, all, all along with the comic books and the anime people, and it's an amalgamation of everything geek all in one place for three days that most events just don't do. Mm-hmm. Not, not all at once <laughs> and it amazingly blends it's not a hodgepodge it just kind of all naturally flows it's yeah we do not there are other events that do a few of our genres but they have silos or areas that it's all mm-hmm. this and areas that's all that 
we mix it all in together because we want people that if they're going there because they love horror, we want them to go, oh, that anime looks really cool. Or what that, what's that person wearing? I, I want to know what they're wearing. I may want to watch that show. Or we want people to experience things outside their box Yeah. Uh, with, without knowing that that's what they're experiencing. <laughs> it's kind of just, you're just kind of immersed in it in every direction. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's a three-day event in the, you know, in the same vicinity where, you might find a vendor booth on the third day that you kind of missed. And you're like, oh, yeah. wow. Where were those at? Yeah. Where, what place? Like, I remember there was one year where they had this really cool post, these really cool posters where it'd be like, I picked up Tom Baker, Doctor Who, but it was like the theme music for it written out, the sheet music, but oh. it had an image of him. And they did that for like everything. Like, they had like yeah. Frozen, Jaws. I remember oh, that one. Oh, yeah. it was so, it was like, cheap little idea but it was great and they were really nicely printed out things but yeah i didn't find out about that till like sunday (laughs) there's a vendor that came in that sold smells like they had they had a canister that was supposed to smell like grass so when you're when a when a dungeon master is talking about dragons there, they, he would pa- you'd pass that scent around so that as they're role playing that's their great. character in Dungeons and Dragons, you could smell the environment that you're in. That's genius. It's genius. <laughs> that's re- but it, it just you have no idea what you're going to run into a pop. Definitely, and as always, there will be Funko Pops. <laughs> there will be. Enrico Gimande spends eight hours a day training to be the finest racer in all of Italy. But Enrico has a problem. He's not in Italy. He's in Bloomington, Indiana. Papa! Ciao, Papa! And he's not Enrico Gimande. I should have hit him when I had the chance. He'd be dead now. Oh, grazie, Ponte Santa Maria. He's Dave Stoller. He was as normal as pumpkin pie. And now look at him. But Dave's not crazy. He's never tired. He's never miserable. He's on the road to adulthood. When I was young, I was tired and miserable. You are numero uno, King Papa. And he's decided to take a little detour at the age of 19. What are we going to do about him? I don't know, dear. We could always strangle him while he's asleep. (laughs) 20th Century Fox presents Breaking Away, the story of four guys in imminent danger of turning 20. All right! How you doing, guys? Well, we're a little disturbed by the developments in the Middle East, but... ...who refuse to give up immaturity without a fight. Smart move, shorty. Love. Wind up a bum. Italian bum. I'll tell him he either has to get a job or go to college. Hell, I don't want to go to college, Dad. The hell with them. What, are you afraid? Yeah. A little bit. The only thing I'm afraid of is wasting the rest of my life with you guys. I thought that was the whole plan. That we were going to waste the rest of our lives together. I'm leaving soon. I wish you a nice trip. Me too. I'm not going anywhere. I don't know about that. Breaking away. Somewhere between growing up and settling down. It happens to all of us. Breaking Away is directed by Peter Yates, written by Stephen Tessish, and starring Dennis Christopher, Dennis Quaid, Daniel Stern, Jackie Earl Haley, Barbara Berry, Paul Dooley, Robin Douglas, Hart Bachner, John Ashton, featuring a cameo by PJ Souls, 
It is about Dave and his working class friends, Cyril, Moocher, and Mike, spending their post-high school days in Bloomington, Indiana, sparring with snooty students from the local university, chasing girls, and, in Dave's case, dreaming of competitive bicycle racing. The four friends face opposition from all corners as they decide to make Dave's dreams come true in the university's annual bicycle endurance race. So, Carl, as I ask everybody on this show, tell us the importance of you bringing... Uh, I was going to call it Little 500, uh, breaking away <laughs> it is to the show. The it movie. is Little 500. It, it's funny how many people that go to IU now have, have never even seen it. And it's kind of a rite of passage for IU students back in my day. But mm-hmm. when I grew up, I was, I don't know, I was six when this movie came out. Okay. And we went to see it as a family and I just loved it. So as a, as a, just a kid, it's just a big toddler. I just love the movie itself. It was just, it was lighthearted, good music. I had been to Bloomington when I was many times by the time I was six. So I recognized some of the places and it, it was really cool. And my family is an IU family and <laughs> I'm not counting my brothers that have Purdue degrees, but uh, uh, my mom, my dad, and I all have IU degrees. My dad rode in little five. My uncle won little five. Oh, Back in the late 50s, early 60s, I should know the exact date. I do not, but it was very new back then. So Little Five is kind of in our family blood. So when I went to IU, I rode in Little Five twice. Every time I watched Breaking Away, I was like, man, it's way harder than they're making it look like on this movie. And the David character is based on a a real human being Mm -hmm. named David Blaze. And my mom worked with him. So our, my first year, my first year writing in little five, we came up to here to Indianapolis at Ron Colley high school. They had a cinder track and the, uh, the races all run on a cinder track for those who haven't seen the movie a cinder. It's just like a fire pit, but flat. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it really is cinder like wood cinder or coal cinder. And he taught us bike exchanges. And I don't know how to explain that in words, but you're, riding your bike as fast as you can, you slam on the brake, jump off of it, kind of throw it politely to the next person who's already running at a full sprint, and they jump on the bike as it's moving forward. And that that is a that is a bike exchange. And it's fast and furious and painful at times. And uh it's just a whole thing. But yeah, the movie breaking away is just it's I guess it's kind of part of our family, even though we weren't in the movie or anything, but the, the whole having, we've all lived in Bloomington, at least for our college careers and the bikes everywhere. And the little five is really is called the great world's greatest college weekend. And it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. I um, like it's, I mean, it's a big, I don't know if it was back then, but it's like when I was in college, it was a big party thing. Like I never went, but people would go is. down and it was just, I don't even know if they went and watched a race or anything. <laughs> yeah, this year. Yeah, they this year because of COVID, they actually bumped it an entire month so that there oh, weren't okay. going to be any students on campus. So oh, you're not, okay. there are no spectators are allowed, but because there really isn't going to be anybody on campus, they won't have the problems with partying either. Gotcha. So they've kind of missed out twice now. Two, excuse me, two two races, two race years in a row. But at least they're running it this year. Last year, they didn't even run it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's there's just so much. And uh, the movie touches so much. And then that's just the university race side of it. Yeah. Um, but then there's the whole family drama and friend drama and real life coming of age type stuff. Yeah. Is why this movie won an Oscar. It really is mm-hmm. just, it's just a good, wholesome film that, uh, that it's not my usual fare, as you know. I'm a, right, yeah. I'm a science fiction and action and thriller and pirates and I but this one is not an action movie at all except maybe the last the last scene the, the last 20 20 mm-hmm. or so minutes is action e but uh, it's just it's just about pe- real people like yeah. the, act, the the actors act as real people they're written as real people the script makes them feel like real people and it's as a hometown indiana guy uh, it's just great seeing Indiana. Yeah. They actually past. film it here. It's like not just one of those movies that takes place and they film no, it somewhere similar. It's 100,000. Yeah. 
uh, Bloomington surrounding areas. And as I watch, I haven't seen this in so many years. I had to watch this in high school for a for a class, and then I had to watch it in college in my film genres class uh, during sports movies. We watched this one, which, yes. Easily it, one of the best sports movies ever. Yeah, made. it's constantly, yeah, it's easily one of those. It's I probably, I think now, even though it was nominated, well, I'll talk about the Oscar stuff with it later, but it's probably one of the best, like, forgotten coming-of-age movies, because I think this has left our, like, talking about lexicon, but, like, I watched this, and I'm like, damn, we don't talk about this movie enough in terms of being like an honest, you know, living in a small town, where do you do after high school, pressure from the outside. And I don't think any movie really confronts being the local in a college town very much no. as well. Like, this is no. just a different experience. Yeah, and in, in, in real life, you have to be an undergraduate IU student to run the race. But the, mm-hmm. So they took liberties with that for the movie. But other than that, it's it, it's just well-designed movie. From beginning to end, mm-hmm. his father is just so dad. It's just, it's yeah. just dad. His mom's just a mom. And there's just so much small town culture that you get to see that a lot of that hasn't changed in small town Indiana. No. No. Yeah. I, I like, I love the each kid isn't just here's kid, there's parents, all the parents the same. Like each of them has a different aspect of family where, you know, with our David, our in, in character, he's got, you know, the mom and dad, that's that's just more traditional. But Quaid has his brother that shows up later. We then see a side that, oh, he's got some family stuff. Then, of course, Jackie Earl Haley is getting married at a very young age to a woman. And then Daniel Stern's got nobody. Like that's a that's a weird foot. Like I think he's the guy who's gonna leave town. Like you know, at some point, like all his friends figure his stuff out. But at the at the end, when the race uh, and everybody's got somebody to celebrate with, he's just yeah, he's just walking around. Yeah, and he gets. I mean, he's overlooked because you know they call him an idiot. Uh, there was a scene where he's talking about wanting to be a cartoon. Where I was like, someone needs to edit this with Home Alone clips in there. Like I would be a living cartoon, but like he's always. He gets beat up. He's always drug along and just kind of dopely there and has nobody but these guys. And he's the the last of them to say, oh, we got to stay so tight together. But yeah, it was kind of sad for him. But I really like there is a there's a scene when when the gang's watching the football practice and Quaid gives this phenomenal monologue about they're all going to always be in shape. They're always going to be, you know, have future. I'm just old Mike. Yeah, old Mike. They're still he was the he was the he was the true athlete of the group. Yeah, yeah, it, the ball sport athlete, I should say. Yes, yeah, <laughs> true. But yeah. yeah, he's quite. And this is early Quaid too. He was he was uh, you know, there's uh, when when reviews for this film came out, like it was considered a cast of nobodies. It's Stern's first movie. Jackie Earl Jackie Earl Haley was one of the only people, yeah. of the kids that anybody recognized because he was from Bad News Bears. Yeah. And which is another great sports movie. Yes. Ashton, he'd go on to a good character actor career. The brother of Randy Quaid, he was in Beverly Hills Cop and plenty of other uh, movies. But yeah, it was an up and coming cast. Uh, Hart Bachner, even in here as well, he, he'd go on to be in like films like Terror Train, Die Hard, of course, Supergirl. And I, what I like about him, he's a, he's a complete shit like an asshole but he's human like he's not a monster because when there's a scene where him and there's a swimming hole quarry that the guys go to and they hate it when the college kids come because that's their territory they can have a campus and hart bachner's this antagonist throughout just the staple of why they hate the college kids and he randy quaid races him in a swim race and hart bachner's on the swim team like he's not i mean he's not gonna win and quaid bumps his head and bleeds all over and keeps going and Bachner just looks like oh this is not funny anymore this is not and he looks concerned and during the race at the end he's kind of having fun with these guys and actually supports their win with the ra- the bike race and I'm like okay that's something you don't see like you you honestly like you start out going I can't wait to see this guy get what's coming to him and then you're like all right you know what he learned a lesson here maybe I don't know but usually yeah, the frat was- guy on campus is like public enemy number one and something bad happens and you're like yeah yeah he was probably the flattest character in this movie mm-hmm. 
but even he had a growing curve. Yeah. So that that more kudos to the the writers and director for that because yeah yeah it's just uh, that swimming hole I've actually swam there. Oh yeah, where that is they close. Oh, it got filled up. I read because people were dying. The owner of it filled it up. So Completely. You, you wow. Can't go yeah, I haven't been there, there in years. But, yeah. You know, I know how to get there. <laughs> yeah, and you know this is a Hoosier movie because when I was doing my research, the uh, the shooting locations are well documented all over the internet. Like <laughs> we appreciate when something's shot here because not everybody comes through here to shoot movies. So stuff like this, League of Their Own, Eight Men Out, you'll find tons of history uh, on them and well documented stuff. But you talk about the director Yates. He he did Bullet, the Steve McQueen movie with the badass car chase. So of course the bike races are going to be pretty awesome. And in him and the writer, they did three collaborations together. Two of them after this, uh, Eyewitness with Sigourney Weaver and John Hurt and Ellen I. And then uh, Tessius, the writer, also wrote the, wrote the World According to Garp, which is a very uh, well done movie. Yep. Yates, he his history was British TV with uh, Secret Agent and The Saint. Uh, the Deep, he did that movie called Suspect and a favorite movie of ours, Carl, Kroll. I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh yes. Yeah, we could. Yeah, that's a whole nother. You you right may there. be back on here to talk more Peter Yates. Yeah, um, I yeah I'll have to rewatch that one. Boy, that's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. I need to see that again. Oh, Fantastic yeah. movie. Definitely. And then uh, Cutters, the what they call the townies here, but they were actually stoners was the actual term, but they didn't want that to get mixed with something else because of they would cut the rocks at the quarry, so the Cutters. Yep, yep. I forgot about that little tidbit, but that's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And now, because of the movie, there is an actual team called the Cutters every year, and they've won the race several oh, times. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I... I did like so the race at the end, the final two laps is like amazing. Just the way he captured it, it's an overhead shot that moves around and stuff. And you watch the actual two laps happen. Mm-hmm. And every time I watched it twice for this, and I've seen it a couple times before, I don't feel like Dave's going to win. Like it's filmed that well, that uh-huh. suspenseful that you're like, is he just gonna, like, this time is the movie gonna change on me? Like, it's, it's, it's excellent. Like, it's one of the best things captured. It's up there with, like, Rocky fighting Creed at the end of the first Rocky, and it's just captivating, inspiring, just like, wow. Well, the whole movie has been building up to that right final lap. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, I mean, it's David wanting to do this, and racing semis down the highway and it's crazy that it the the physical effort that it takes to ride a bike 50 miles on what is essentially a wet sponge mm-hmm. with a bike that only has one gear and lock brakes is i can't believe that i even participated in it because i'm not i'm not necessarily a, a biker i didn't do it as part of a big fraternity for mm-hmm fraternal fraternal brother glory or anything we did it because the the money generated from little 500 it goes to scholarship fund for kids to go to college at iu and uh i were i was part of a co-ed service fraternity called alpha phi omega so i convinced the fraternity that this is a service project to write okay. rates which it technically was we were helping generate money yeah None of the four of us were athletes and well, I, I, we're athletic, but not cyclists in any stretch of the imagination. And we didn't train anywhere near where anyone would need to train in order to be an effective racer race. And, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back. It wouldn't take it back. It was, it was a heck of an experience. Just to be a part of it, folks. I'm happy to be nominated. Yeah. Uh, For that one, I was, and I looked good spandex back then. Of course. You can still pull it off. Come on. Yeah, pull it off is right. (laughs) (laughs) This also, I noticed a little connection to my show a few weeks back, maybe a month back now, talked about Valley of the Doll, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and the mom here is reading Valley of the Dolls. So a little Brandon Peters show connection there, which I think, is this supposed to take place in the 60s or early 70s? Because that's when that book would have been really popular. 
I'm I'm but, thinking it's set as is. Like indeterminate 70s type yeah. type thing. That's what I was thinking too, but the book had me going, are they trying to notify us that you know, when this was a bestseller, this is when this is supposed to take place? But yeah, mom's yeah, probably behind. They don't really establish a year, so I don't expect it to be anything other than the year that we're seeing it in. Gotcha. Originally. Origi- yeah. I do love the the outside of the pizza place and the student center aesthetics. I love that just that 70s. Yeah, that, There's a comfort to that late 70s, early 80s interior of a restaurant type thing. Yeah, and that exists in the Union. That's the bowling alley is really there. I mean, that yeah. was filmed as is. Yeah. Glass broke. That stained glass that they had in there. I mentioned earlier PJ Soul's cameos. Her and Dennis Quaid were either about to be or married at the time. So she was probably around on the set. I heard she, they said she auditioned for the girl at the end of the movie, but he was like he was on the set of Halloween when they were shooting that and he was almost in Halloween, but he had scheduling conflict. Could have been this movie. Who knows? So that's why I'm guessing she's here. And I don't I didn't remember her in this movie till I watched it for this this time. I was like, "Whoa, PJ, oh, of course." Dennis is in this. Yeah, I looked it up. It's his first, it's really his breakout role, breaking mm-hmm. away for him, for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, and Stern, for that matter. Yeah. Definitely. Stern would break out like big time. Like he had the Barry Levinson movie Diner. I don't know if you remember that one. That was another young guys in a coming of age breakout movie with Gutenberg and Mickey Rourke. And that's a Baltimore ish movie. It was his very first anything acting for Cyril. For Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern in Indiana. <laughs> uh, I don't know where he's from. Because that seems like that's an. It's from Maryland. He would have been twenty years old. Well, you're no. going to Hollywood. Well, where's your first movie shooting at? Oh, Indiana. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing that uh, captured me. So the David, our main character, is obsessed with Italian cyclists and uh, Italian culture in the movie, and he's speaks with an accent. He decides to go all in and convincing a girl he's really Italian and exchange student. When I was in college and I worked at Circuit City and there was a guy who worked in the car stereo department named Andy. He was this totally white dude and he spoke with a Rastafarian accent. And I was like, what in the hell? Is he messing with me? Like what? And he's like, no, I'm from, he said he was from Jamaica or something like that. And I was like, what? And I was... I was in a fraternity when my fraternity brothers was telling him about this guy. He goes, is his name Andy? I was like, yeah. He's like, it's my fucking roommate. He ain't, he's not, no, he's full of shit. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, he puts on this act. He went there on vacation and he tries to do that with everybody. When we're at home, he don't say that. He didn't act like that. Trust me. And I was like, okay. And so I'd call and uh, like, because we had house phones back then. I'd call and whenever it was like, hello. And I'll be like, yeah, is uh, Zach there? He'll be like, no, he's he's not home. I'm like, okay, well, you tell him Brandon called. Oh, Brandon, hey, how's it? I'm like, you son of a bitch. And then I'd go over his house, and he'd be Rastafarian, and he'd be like, shut the fuck up. He knows you're full of shit. And, it, and he'd go back and just be normal. But then I'd go to work at Circus City. He'd be like, hello. I'm And like, why? What? But this really happens. This is a thing. I had it happen in my life, so I believe you, movie, that this guy would double down on all this silly shit. Um Roger Ebert liked this movie. He called it a wonderful, sunny, funny, goofy, intelligent movie that makes you feel about as good as any movie in a long time. It is, in fact, a treasure. Movie like this are hardly ever made at all. When they're made this well, they're precious cinematic miracles. Agreed. So, yeah. Uh, he was a big voice at the time for little movies like this. And this was nominated for five Academy Awards. It had one best original screenplay, but best picture, best director, supporting actress, and best song score. This was a stacked year at the Oscars, too. One of those years you look back, like Kramer versus Kramer took the the prize for best picture. All that jazz was up for it. Apocalypse Now and Norma Ray. So big year. The Oscars director lost to Robert Benton, of course, but also Fosse was up, Coppola, and uh, Eduard Molinero for La Cage de uh, Afal. But the funny thing is, Bob Fosse was supposed to direct this. Throughout the 70s, this was being worked on, and he was originally attached, and things didn't work out, and he goes to make all that jazz, which then goes up against Breaking Away at the Academy Awards. 
did not know that. That would have been insane. Bob Fosse in Indiana shooting, breaking away would have been because he was trying to get away from the kind of he did a lot of like uh, performing like it, it was, you know, he had a theater background. So a lot of his movies reflected that and his masterpiece of all that jazz with like, you know, his personal story uh, told through Roy Scheider uh, was up against breaking away the movie that he was supposed to get away from that kind of stuff was up against. And I believe yeah, he lost screenplay to this movie. So In- incredible. Yeah. incredible. And what completely different movies these two. Were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, honestly, if they don't have Peter Yates, the biking scenes aren't as good. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, the human drama probably would have been something special, but I mean, it's the racing scenes and that end moment has to pay off. That race has to pay off and Yates does it. Mm-hmm. Sporting actress uh, lost to Meryl Streep. I think it was Kramer versus Kramer might have been her first one. So, and then original song lost to all that jazz. Uh, but the only other nominee was uh, the Muppet movie for original song score. So I think it just means collection of songs rather than just a score. Yeah. It also, it had a TV spinoff. Did you ever watch that? With the series that uh, brought back Jackie Earl Haley, and Barbara Berry, and John Ashton in their roles, but different cast for Dave and the dad and stuff. Uh, took place a year before the race, seven episodes, and canceled. So I believe sure, that. Sure, it's on YouTube somewhere to watch, just like the League of Their Own show, Ferris Bueller show, uh, Working <laughs> Girl television show. Like they they do uh, movies to TV shows a lot better now than they used to, I guess. Um, but it's always funny, like, oh, hit Oscar movie gets TV series and it's canned after seven episodes. But people <laughs> definitely love it. One last, my favorite scene of the movie okay. is when uh, his dad is sick. Mm-hmm. It's something that my, my my mom and I quote all the time. But uh, he he's a car salesman. He's a used car salesman. <laughs> and... A guy pushes a car that he had just, a kid, a college student, is pushing, I think, a Corvette or something. It's it's a, yeah. It's a convertible, yeah. nice car. Uh, but he's pushing it back into the lot, and his dad is on the hood trying to push it back out of the lot. And David, the, his son, the main character, says, Father, father, we sh- we we sh- we should take it back. We're good, honest people. And and uh, the next scene is his dad going refund, yes, refund. <laughs> and it it's just it's probably that's my it, it's just a one word quote, mm-hmm. but it is one of my favorite scenes of oh. any movie I've ever seen. And uh, it is one of my mantras with popcorn refund. <laughs> <laughs> What else? This is where we just kind of talk about something else we may have taken in recently. We watched something, drew something, listened to something, or maybe we wrote or put something out there in the world. So, Carl, what else? What else? There's a lot going on in the world right now, but Mm -hmm. uh, as far as pop culture goes, really enjoying the Bad Batch so far. um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I wasn't jumping up and down excited about the bad batch mm-hmm. but the first episode last week yeah last uh, two weeks ago oh no it was last week may 4th mm-hmm. um it really hooked me like i was like okay i can really get into these guys i mean we'd seen the characters before right um, but uh i didn't i didn't know that they were going to be able to pull off their own series i'm hooked i gotta know where this is going and i hate re-watching different versions of order 66 but we plowed right through it again and uh it's the uh, the wayne's dying of the star star wars series That's, yeah they were just I, they're never gonna get tired of finding a new jedi to kill <laughs> i did i did actually for us to watch it watch yeah. them die i did perk up because i read the caleb doom comics the kate and jarris comics and that was right out of it i was like wait what we're doing this yeah i was oh i was like holy crap and then they got freddie prince to and they pitched him down to make him sound younger but i, I couldn't believe it. i'm like wow uh i guess reading the star wars comics back when i was uh paid off they ended up overwhelming me and i just stopped because there was it started out easy and then there was like five a week and i'm like i'm can't do that <laughs> yeah but so that's that was fun i just jupiter jupiter oh yeah uh, i forget what i know what you're talking about i haven't started that one yet jupiter rising jupiter 
dang, I don't know, yet another superhero show. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as bad as the critics played it out to be. I definitely want to see where it's going to go. It's def- it's definitely a slower one, but man, the act, the fighting scenes are awesome. Awesome. Um, but not as good as Invincible. So the, that's, Invincible probably is the, great. that's probably the best thing that I've seen in a while. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, I, I did not read about or know about the cartoon, the, the, the comic before I saw the first couple of oh, episodes. Okay. So when we get to a particular scene and I'm not going to spoil because I want people to watch it on their own terms. Uh, I was, what, well, this is, they're animating this. What's going on? <laughs> um, I paused it, rewound a little bit to make sure what did I miss leading up to this scene? Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Uh, and I was, I was hooked again. So, and I really, the characters are really good in that one. Oh, and every uh, time, so that one's on Amazon. And every time you pause it on Amazon, Amazon uh, tags all the actors and people in it. And like, like a janitor is played by like somebody good, like a two line janitor in the sides. Like, wait, what? Like, why? How do they afford? Oh, it must have been. Uh, quarantine. Meryl Streep, the janitor. Yes, Meryl Streep, the janitor. It was like it must have been quarantine. Everybody just calling in. Just oh, I'll be on it. I'll record R- my. Russell Crowe is barking as the dog. What? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. It's just insane. I'm like, wait, all these people? Like, okay, but yeah, that show is. I I read a. I started so that one when I started back in the early mid 2000s when I was reading Walking Dead that one was heavily pushed a lot too like with it and I, I read some of that I never I didn't keep with it as long but I liked it but just as things come and go they happen but yeah I've been really excited by Invincible and I hope yeah. it keeps going. Highly recommend Invincible yep. yeah and you don't yeah I don't know it's just it's definitely heavy superhero but it's not it's deeper it's deeper than that one. Yeah yeah yeah, it's There's definitely a whole lot more going on. I tell people, I'm like, if you like the boys, just go watch Invincible. Yes, <laughs> because I, I I don't dislike the boys, mm-hmm. but Invincible is doing it very right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The boys. I fear the boys is gonna lose. Like it's. I've I've enjoyed it, but like at some point, it's gonna be one of those shows that feels like pretty shocking and all this. And then you're going to numb to it. And it's just going to be like, Oh, they're doing that again. Like it- the, yeah, the boys goes for the cringe factor mm-hmm. and invincible goes for the wow factor. Right. And it's, it's not, not afraid. A- it doesn't pull punches at all. Like it is, it, ruthless. it does not pull punches. It is ruthless. <laughs> like it is just like, Oh, wow. Like, wow. Okay. You could draw that. Yes. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. Oh, definitely. So that one, yeah, can't. It just got here and it can't come back soon enough. Invincible, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My what else? I didn't take in. Like I was really busy last week, but I will mention. And my review is now up on Why So Blue. I reviewed the 1976 King Kong uh, for Shout Factory, but they have a TV cut on it. So they recut. They they got the original film elements from the TV. So it's not four by three. So they have the actual film size for it, but they added that there it's like three almost it's close to three and a half hours but i watched it in segments so i i watched it in like four different sittings and i think it's the most i enjoyed this movie like it's always been a kind of like i want to like it more movie but as four different like episodic installment adventures it worked for me for the first time i can't tell you what was different i just something worked for me this time that didn't before yeah, that is interesting. It's kind of like my experience going back to the Lord of the Rings extended version mm-hmm. movies. Because I, I, I definitely enjoyed the theatrical cuts, but it's going back and watching a four-hour version of the first four of the first <laughs> movie of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's like there you there there's a whole lot that they edited out to fit it into that theater. Yeah. And I'm glad that I was able to finally see. So yeah. Yeah. and they just breathe a little better. I, I don't know, like and yeah, there. I, I, like I said, I can't tell you what's exactly different, but um, I don't know. This is maybe some of the scenes, just the the human scenes, got to drum, uh, get the drama out a little better, a little bit better plotting. Um, Charles Grodin, just the interesting presence that he doesn't doesn't not around much anymore. And I he wasn't. This is only one of the one of the few like big genre things he did. Like he wasn't much of a into the genre got things, but he's pretty good in his his little role here. And of course. Jessica Lange's just um, burst on the screen, and so so compare contrast 
your old Godzilla to Godzilla versus King Kong or Kong versus Godzilla or whichever that whichever way it goes in the new version. So the original King Kong versus Godzilla versus the the new one. Yeah. Well, the old one, if you're watching the Japanese cut, it's got some good social commentary and stuff about the media and like a lot of other things, and it's pretty good. But I, the big dumb slap fest of the new one, I'm down with all the wacky. It was actually incorporating like a lot of the wacky stuff from the old Godzilla movies that I never imagined an American Godzilla would go for. Spaceships, a weird interior roar, like give me all that weird stuff. Go for it. The fights work for me. A lot of, every time one of those movies gets made, an American audience sees it thinking they know Godzilla and, and these movies, and they're like, start complaining. That it's always the same complaints about the human characters and all. That. I'm like, dude, they they slapped each other around. Stuff got busted. They made they made Kong some hybrid of like 80s Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis, and that was hilarious to me. Like they actually did the the shoulder popping back in from Lethal Weapon Two. <laughs> Come on, that's that's. I mean, these this is popcorn. Just I, I wish I could have saw it on an IMAX screen. Yeah, uh, but I'm not vaccinated, ready to go to the theater yet. So it was fine. I had a lot of fun. My kids yeah. enjoyed Half them. Vaccinated though. Half vaccinated. Eighty percent, right? After the first shot, it's like eighty percent. So almost there. But yeah, like I. I I thought it was fun. I'm not gonna get too deep into it, but I enjoy- I watched it twice, so oh. I guess that's me. So yeah, oh boy, <laughs> not a fan. No, I mean it was enjoyable once. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was meant to be fun, and uh, it, there's there's no character depth whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, from any of the characters. Oh no. Uh, no, the writing the writing is terrible. The acting is mediocre because of that writing. Um, there's some obvious post-production changes that happen. Oh in yeah, it. the like, editing. In the first there's act of, is like there's a lot of movie that they left on the floor that right. was necessary to keep in. Yeah, um, but uh, it was an action movie. It was fun. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm happy. I don't. I don't, happy, I don't need to see it again. But right. I did watch it. I'm happy for Adam Wingard. He uh, did a couple movies nobody saw that were great. The Your Next and The Guest. Happy to see him get success in something. Uh, which I, it's funny because now they're like, oh, we're, we're gonna do more. But this felt like it was if had things not happened, like had COVID not happened, all this, this would have probably been the capper for this series. And now it's continuing because of the restored success and the reaction has been very positive on it. So in general, so yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, Kong 76, not my favorite Kong, uh, still not, but um, enjoy it more. I have a new appreciation for it. And the interviews on that disc are terrific. My favorite thing, though. They have all the old NBC promos from when it aired. So I, I love old marketing things. So when you see the image galleries and you're like, who looks at those old posters and lobby cards? Or watches the TV spots and stuff. That's me. That's I love it. old marketing bullshit. It, I don't know. It's a nostalgia thing, I guess. So we have, we've crossed the finish line for today, Carl. Uh, this has been a ton of fun. You had a golden pick here. I love it. And I love when people pick what you wouldn't expect them to pick to come on the show it's great yeah like, yeah it wasn't a star wars movie or anything yeah, no like, it was not genre fair at all or what you asked me in a way that there was no other choice i didn't even hesitate i was like oh that's breaking away and i like it when people pick them so quickly yeah <laughs> so great thank you and uh before uh we get going i'll let people know where they can keep up with you and all things popcorn facebook twitter instagram Indie Popcon on all three. So it's easy. I N D Y, not I N D I E. I N D Y City, not the style. There you go. <laughs> For sure. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Written work at YSOBlue.com. There's more from the Brandon Peters show this week. But until then, always remember to keep the positivity in your online film chatter. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. 
All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. Refund. Refund.